is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you from a couple of places on the internet. We're live over on Crowdcast, live on YouTube, coming to you later at Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Podcast of Your Choice, wherever you get podcasts. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for tuning in. we got two great guests for you tonight. But first, right at the top here, uh, you might notice Justin is not here. That's because... He forgot his children's birthday. Yeah, he can't keep his kids straight, A, and B, Mm -hmm. he doesn't know when you should celebrate their birthday. Well, didn't he have that situation? He had that situation, you know, the one that I'm talking about, where, like, he forgot his kid's birthday, and then his kid on the birthday cake was like, I wish my dad was always here. (laughs) And then he got, like, trapped on the same day. So he's in a loop right now. Yeah. He just walked past the guy with bananas that's juggling all the bananas and drops them. And I think he's on like the fourth or fifth loop, so he's sounds like, helped him catch most of the bananas. It sounds but like he still hasn't figured out the thing with his daughter. A banana's good time. Uh, <laughs> I I think realistically his kid, uh, well, I hope one of these days that one of his children wishes he would be on time. You know what I mean? That would be super helpful. Well, he does a pad- podcast with his kids, and he's always on time to that, so... He's is getting he? a little inside baseball. Is he I did want to mention right here at the top of the podcast that every week we have a drink that is curated either by Stray Bullet, Brett Macris, our CBC official chef, or one of the members of our Patreon Slack. In this case, this is one that we found. I don't, I don't know if I know you've been reading, Pete, but I don't know if all of our listeners have been reading Mind Management Bootleg coming from Dark Horse Comics, which is awesome. Such sure a good is. book. Definitely should be reading it. But in the back of every issue, there's this bit which Matt Kent, when he was on our podcast, talked about a little bit, where he said he doesn't see much of a need for supporting material, ancillary, behind-the-scenes material. So all the behind-the-scenes material in the book is, I'm going to say fake, but it's actually just more in the world of mind management. So this issue, he had a whole script that was mind-blowing for any fans of the comic book, but in there, he included a recipe for a Mai Tai. In, so, of course, I pulled that out, and we made that uh, Whoa, for this evening. delicious. It's the mind management bootleg Mai Tai. It's made with two types of rum, lime juice, grapefruit All juice, right. falernum, Contro, bitters, pernode over cracked ice. And I didn't get too fancy, but you can put a, a slice of squeezed lime, some pineapple, and mint for garnish if you want. Uh, and then he says at the end there, pour all the liquids into a cocktail shaker, fill it with ice, and shake it for about 30 seconds. Meditate over it, thinking of burning sunsets and smoke-filled skies. Whoa. So there you go. It's very good, by the way. It's very refreshing. So if... The whole comic book thing falls through for Matt Kent. He could always be a bartender. <laughs> I guess. It's looking for cocktailier. Is that what it is? I don't know. He could be uh, uh, Tom Cruise. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, sure. That's the only guy I know who makes cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he makes a great one. It's called The Maverick. I don't know what it is, but it's very good. Why don't we bring in our first guest here? He is the creator of Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter, among other things, which just launched new Kickstarter today. Russell Nolte. Russell, hello. Hey, welcome, to the show. welcome. Thank you for having me. And I have to say, I'm really upset that it's not called a mind tie because I feel Ooh, like it was just right there. It was right there. Oh, yeah. Was so close. Well, to be fair, he didn't give a name to it in the book. So I think you just named it. It's the mind tie. There you go. There we go. Nice. 
we're now part of the continuity. Uh, let's <laughs> talk about this book, which you just launched the complete version of it, which I believe is all, all four volumes on Kickstarter today. You've got a very ominous sounding $10,000, $666 goal, and you've already gotten $6,000 of it in just a few short hours. hours. That's got to feel good. It does. It really does. You know, uh, what, every time you do a, another volume of a book, it's like, are they going to like it? Are they going to still like it? Is it going <laughs> to still matter to people? And so every time you launch it and you launch well, it, uh, uh, it's, it's a really good feeling, especially because Ichabod is it's such a weird book that I kind of can't believe that people love it as much as they do still. Like, it's not like boobs. It's not like a collector book. Like, it's not like people like aspirational superheroes you know like it's just like about a weird dude who like very viscerally fails a whole lot and somehow keeps going and uh it's been very gratifying to watch that i mean it only exists because of fans the last Mm. three volumes so it's really it's really gratifying to see them come back and support it on the first day for sure what we're talking about though is very relatable and does sound great i mean you know you you know, superhero stuff and all that other stuff you mentioned is great, but you know, this is something very relatable. Somebody who fails and continues and somehow uh, still manages. So, I mean, that to me sounds awesome. Well, you know, I I made this book. This is my first real comic. I didn't ask him before, but it's the first real book that I did. And like, I was in such a bad place that. I think a lot of the like the fact that I felt like a failure and that like I was wondering like is there any way to like redeem the fact that I just blew like a hundred thousand dollars trying to chase these dreams and like is there any way to take control of the own narrative and become a hero even though I felt like ostracized in a lot of the same ways Ichabod felt ostracized and like I think that connects to people and I think that when we brought it back for the next volumes like I wanted to show this I wanted to have a little thread of hope because the cool thing about this book is I did the first volume in 2010 and the second volume in 2019. And during that time, like I'd done a bunch of successful Kickstarters. Like I'd become a, a, a successful creator. Like I was doing this full time and not just full time, but at a high level. And so like I could look back, it was literally like at 2019, like echoing back to my 2010 self and like pulling this kind of string of, hope through it that didn't exist i think when i first wrote it and it seems to have resonated with people i'm still so shocked that people call it their like favorite book they've ever read or the favorite book of my catalog of like i've had so many books and ichabod is just such this weird thing and also we based it upon uh underground comics of the 2000s so like the slg stuff which like you know I mean, some of them like were hits for underground comics, but like they none of them were like Marvel or DC things. So mm-hmm. that this kind of also odd art style, which works so well with the art. Just like I'm always so gratified because I feel like Ichabod is the reason Kickstarter exists. Like, you know, like Kickstarter doesn't exist. And I have this is nothing against Boom, but like Kickstarter doesn't exist to make Power Ranger books. Like mm-hmm. Kickstarter doesn't exist like for Marvel to launch like a new line. Like I'm fine with Brandon Sanderson and all of them doing the book. And I think it can, it, that like it can, a Kickstarter is robust enough that everyone can get theirs. And like, I love it. But like, to me, Kickstarter exists for the projects that you pass by and you're like, wait, what? 
Like what, what is this thing that like, it absolutely will never find a shelf or shouldn't find a shelf. Like the audience isn't there, but like it can garner this kind of like ember of an idea. And to me, Ichabod is like, for me of all of my, of all of my work, like the encapsulation of that. Cool. Well, I definitely got that feel very heavily. And I think you call out Johnny the homicidal maniac in particular as an inspiration. So where did it start? Were you looking to create something in that? I don't even know if it's a genre necessarily, but with that feel, did the idea come first? Where did it start? Uh, yeah. So uh, it started like most good things start with a fuck you to the industri <laughs> industrial complex. So I had mm. gone to, I'd made this book called wannabes, which is adorable. It's about fake superheroes to get real superpowers. And I was in 2010 going down and like, this is the one, like, I'm going to get like my big break at Comic-Con 2010. And like, I mean, we've all had this story. So like, we're all probably smiling in the background because we know like where this is going. But like, I was like, I'm going to get my big break on these eight pages. And no one's ever made a story this good and roundly like just punched in the face for like five days. And people, people, people like, you know, Marvel and DC make superhero books. Why should we make your superhero book? And I was like, I don't know, because it's also good. And like, I didn't like have a reason for, for, uh, for that, which like is again to my detriment. But uh, I came back and I was like, you know, if I'm gonna get rejected from the comic book industry, like I'm gonna really get rejected from the comic book industry. I wanna <laughs> do something that like is so weird. Like there's no, like there's no earthly reason why anyone should ever publish it. And so uh, I was driving over, I live in LA. So there's this big hill before you get into the valley where you can kind of, when you crest it, you kind of see everything in front of you. And I was like, what if I just did like, I made a psychopath, a superhero, like, like, like the hero of the book. And I'd read a bunch of like psychopath books and they're always very bleak and nihilistic and like uh, uh, glorifying murder or something. Like they're always very like, like not the kind of thing that I would want to make. So I was like, how can I make this like, hero palatable. I was like, I want to do this book. I love this idea, but I have to make him palatable. I have to make him mm -hmm. likable. I have to make him like an actual hero. And I was like, well, no one would have ever published that book. And so, and I think that it's not because like, like you have to have this like FU ethos to like the book, but I think great things start coming when you're like, I, I'm just going to make the thing that I desperately want to make. Like, I'm not going to look and see like, what is the trend today? Or like, what is the trend next week? Or like, how do I check every box? I'm not saying great things can't happen from that too. But I think the kernel of it is like, I desperately want to make this story and it has to be told. And that's kind of where Ichabod came from. And then I, I went and tried to find an artist and Renzo, I mean, that the fourth page of this first issue was the art's unbelievable. It's I, I couldn't so believe cool. it. Like yeah. I honestly could not believe that he gave me this thing that was exactly what I wanted. And like he, only about seven people even applied to do this. And he was one of like three that actually did a test page. And from that, we got this thing. And I am still shocked. Like I think it is a crime that Renzo is not better known because the art in this book is stuff that like maybe 20 people in the world can do and he just does it effortlessly wow yeah, well it's, given it's that absolutely well, magical sorry didn't mean to uh, no i was gonna say is once you got set with your artist though and now you're full four volumes in how has that changed how you approach the book 
I think there's just a lot more trust than there was uh, for sure in that first volume. Renzo is a much more um, accomplished artist now. He's just been doing this for 10 years. And there was a, we finished in 2011. It didn't pick up till 2019 again. So there was like an eight year break in there. Um, and in that time, Renzo just got like so much more confident in his work. And also from just us working together for so long, I was kind of able to say, I'm just going to trust you that this is going to work. And a lot of times he would, and the way Renzo looks, uh, does work. Oftentimes it's just like a head on black because so much of his work or on white, because so much of his work comes in the color phase and you just have to kind of take it on faith. And I found myself a lot, it was a lot easier to take it on faith in book and issue 15 than it was in issue two and to just know that like it's gonna happen and i think that mm -hmm. you have to have some of that like wide-eyed innocence to work in comics at all because like so many things can happen and so many things have happened in my career from like brownouts like uh preventing people from emailing me back for months to like artists getting carpal tunnel to like people walking away of books people being hired for marvel in dc in the middle of like a run that we're working on you just the fact that you can continue to make these books is kind of like with all of the potential pitfalls is kind of incredible and the length of time you have to have it you know i used to make movies and movies are impossible to make but they're like a finite amount of time after a couple of weeks or a couple of months, like you're done making the movie. Whereas a, a, a comic book is like months, years, years often of your life, like that you have to continue to have a good relationship with this person. And and uh, to me, I think that was the what, what really changed. Like we were pretty grizzled veterans by the time we did this. Like Renzo had already done some stuff when I started working with him. But by the time we, we met up again in 2019, like we'd both been through the ringer we both like spoke the same language and like we both really we both knew how much we loved this book like we didn't know how much we loved it in 2010 when we started making it like then we w went away from it for eight years and like over that time you know we got an argentinian publisher for it and like we talked and we became friends outside of the book and just like it's one of the things in my life that like defines my life and i don't know if Renzo would say the same but like he loves the book and he loves the world and he loves the characters in a way that you don't know when you take a contract job you only know like once the story is over and once you've done a bunch of stuff how much uh, a world means to you yeah. well given that and this is being sold as the complete ichabod jones are you done with it at this point then or are you two moving on to another project what are the plans there so I will say it is the end of Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter, but mm -hmm. I will not say that is the end of Ichabod Jones because what most people don't know about this is Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter was only like the colon is because the name of the book is Ichabod Jones and there was supposed to be Monster Hunter and other things. When you worked on one thing for 12 years, it's kind of hard to separate those two things. I will say definitively, this is the end of Monster Hunter. To me, this is the last issue in the whole world because it ends exactly how I wanted it to end. But um, that's great. After yeah. what happened in Ichabod, and after what happened in 2019, where like fans raised sixteen thousand dollars to like bring Ichabod back from the dead and make me do and have me do three more volumes, like I can't say that it's the end. But to me, like this is the resolution that people need, wanted in 2000 and. Uh, 
14 when the series ends. Although I, I don't know if they will be satisfied with it, but I will say <laughs> since the beginning, this has been how I wanted to end the series because it is always this, this, this juxtaposition between, is it in his head? Is he killing people? Is he killing mon- is, is he killing monsters or like, what is the truth? And I think like, I have fulfilled that promise over as many issues as a human can without spoiling it. It is a very hard line to walk and still move a story forward between those things. And I think I've done about, I I don't think I could make one more issue and like continue in this world without like breaking everything. Hmm. And you have at this point, 36 more days on the Kickstarter, right? 37 yep, we more just, days. We just launched this morning and there's plenty of time left, but awesome. uh, every week we do uh, special perks. And this perk is a really cool one. I did a bookmark, uh, which has the straight out of hell, like straight out of Compton with all of the Dukes of hell on it, uh-huh. which you'll only be able to get um, at, at the, as the, like in the early bird perks by backing this week. So, and every week we, we line up more perks. So people that back this week, We'll probably get somewhere between sixty and a hundred dollars of free comics plus other things throughout the course of the campaign. Oh, so that's can't awesome. beat that. That's awesome, Russell. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, Pleasure and congratulations, man. Good luck with everything. Thanks so much, and excited to see how it turns out. Yeah. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. All right. Once oh, again, man. the book is called Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter, currently on Kickstarter. So do check it out from Russell Nolte. And there's a bunch of other volumes that you can check out as well on his I website. I mean, that's just such a cool uh, story about like how the fans saved something and he got to complete, complete it how he wanted to. I mean, you know, you, that doesn't always get to happen. So it's nice to see that the, the fans are able to make that happen for him. That's exciting. Absolutely. And we're going to bring our second guest into the stream. He is returning guest, um, a good friend of the show, Ram Z, who has a book. Our story in Edge of Spider-Verse number two from Marvel is coming out tomorrow, reintroducing Spider-UK in a new form to this new epic Spider-Verse crossover. We have a little bit of a hiccup with getting him into the stream earlier. We'll see if it works here. In the meantime, Pete, what's your favorite Spider-Man movie? What? Talking Uh, about Spider-Verse. You know, in the whole Spider-Verse, you got three different Spider-Men on screen. What's your favorite Spiders? I would have to say it's it's the first Tom Holland is my favorite Spider-Man. Really? Why is that? Well, I I just think it did a a lot of great things in that uh, that movie. And, you know. And what is your uh, problem with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield? Well, uh, Tobes was, you know, the first Spider-Man, and that was great. I mean, I loved, uh, you know, one and two, um, you know, three, not so much. But, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if that's really Tobes' fault, you know what I mean? Um, but I, Well, he wrote it and produced and directed it and played all the parts, so it was at least partially his fault. I don't know if that's true, Selbs. It was his daddy Hello. professor. Hey, hey, we need to stop talking about this. Ramsey, how are you? Good to, to see you. See you. <laughs> <laughs> Good to I'm see you guys. again. Very excited to have you back yeah. on for such a momentous occasion. I, the... I only make comics to get on this show, really. That's the only reason. Uh, That's the only motivation. Yeah. Oh, man. No way, dude. That's so weird. I only do this it. podcast <laughs> to read comics. Actually, I guess that makes more sense. But all right. Uh, this is a big deal. You are reintroducing. Is this, this is a new 
Spider UK, right? Or a new version yeah. of Spider UK? How yeah. how does it work? Set it up. Set it up? Like, I mean, like, the, the last Spider UK died in, like, Spider Geddon, I think, and they wanted mm. to bring him back. Or they wanted to mm. bring back the Spider UK title. Right. right. Well, this is a very different character then. So what How did, what did they give you? And I don't know how much we can talk about given it's coming out tomorrow, but yeah. how much did they give you in terms of the setup? Did they say just like, pitch us Spider-Man, but in Britain? Well, go. Basi- <laughs> <laughs> basically, I was in like rehearsals for a play. Like I, writers don't generally go to um, rehearsals. Oh no! Oh no! He's freezing a little bit. He doesn't want to tell us what's going on. Line or take a line. I don't want much out of it, and I'll be like, "Oh my god! Oh, can you hear me? Oh no, no, no! Can you hear me? Yeah, you're back now. You're back. Hello, hello. You're back now. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so I I got the call from the spider office, and they're like, "Okay, so you've got uh, sixteen pages, Uh, (laughs) um, uh, sixteen pages. We don't want an origin story, and we want in a week." And I was like. Oh, so so, um, I already had some idea. It's pretty basically. It was pretty open besides those um, Mm. constrictions, and there was a few going into it. There was a few things I already had in my head of what to do. Um, Also, they um, Zoe Thorogood designed already designed the character, so I knew Uh, it was. I knew it was a black girl character, and I was. But besides that, everything was for gra- everything was open um, for grabs, basically. So um, I one like I'm a Muslim creator, uh, and one of my like bucket list things to do is to make a Muslim superhero. And one, I remember when Miss Marvel came out, I was like mm-hmm. at the comic shop with my friend Moran, who is um, Pakistani uh, Muslim, and we were like, you know what? Like, what if if there was a su- if there was like a Muslim superhero, like what would happen if, like, I don't know, Fing Fan Foom started like wrecking up the city, and your the Ramadan and your fast would be screwed, like your your whole you know energy would be low and stuff like that. How that that work as a and um, that sort of like idea pinged in my head. I was like, oh, I'm gonna keep that in my back pocket, and um, it end and it ended up being a really good. Um, device for like a spider-man story because i feel like mm-hmm. with spider-man um so i feel like with spider-man like one of his um key features that people find so relatable is is this character who's juggling a lot of obligations so he'd be like you know yep. it's Chris- it's christmas eve and i haven't bought any presents and i've got to buy some presents and then like hobgoblin would turn up turn up and he would have to sort mm-hmm. that out and by the time he's defeated him he's all the shops are closed and he has to go to like, I don't know, service station to, 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 to buy stuff, you know? So it's sort of like how the real world interferes with stuff. So I was like, okay, I can use this as sort of like a, um, as a real life um, complication um, to a superior story. And um, another thing I like during lockdown, um, I, I, during lockdown, I realized like, I've lived in London most of my life and I've never seen all the big sites. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. So I was like, as soon as things open up again, I'm going to be a tourist in my own city. And I went on a walking tour 
and uh, one of the guys who was running it was like, did you know that Lo- around the boundary of London, there's 14 um, watch dragons? And I immediately started thinking of like um, that movie, Rain of Fire. Have you not I seen was going to call that out. Like, reading, without getting into yeah. spoilers, reading the story, I was like, this, this yeah. is Rain of Fire. He's doing a Rain well, of Fire. Ba- <laughs> but, ba- but basically, but basically, the poster, it shows these like dragons like wrecking up London. But when you go watch mm-hmm. the movie, it's like a Mad Max world. You don't really see that. The, the poster is not the movie. Yes, the poster is not the movie, is I think and what I was you're like, saying I'm... before you're freezing. Yeah. Oh, you're freezing again, bud. Oh, no. Internet. Dang you, Internet. Yeah. So this is the problem. This is the problem. This is why we... Uh, don't like having internet guests on our internet show is it's it's always an issue uh, i will say while he is frozen here on a very funny frame the uh story without spoiling it is great super fun it is rate of oh Fire my god it's so great versus yeah is spider-man and like he was saying as well one of the things that i think is great about it is you don't necessarily get to see these different aspects of uk culture that's baked into it uh it, normally it feels like it's through an american lens where you and i'm not saying anything about the previous spider uk but you usually have like here's captain uk and he is dressed in the british flag and he has one of those poofy hats the guards have on and he's like crikey let's take a lift and eat some biscuits and that's pretty much all you get versus here of course, actually, London in particular is a very diverse place with a lot of different cultures there. So you're seeing a different aspect of that that feels like it fits absolutely perfectly. So hopefully you can come back to the stream and talk about themselves. But I was very impressed and very happy to read that story. Also, he mentioned the design of the, the character. It's really cool and and, and not overly, you know, uh, you're kind of not slept over that. It's a great design for the character as well. Yes. Uh, it seems like he's stretching to get back in here <laughs> to hey, explain it. Hey, right. there you are. You're back. We were just Hello. giving you big ups on your story. Guys, I'm like, I, I, it's like the internet from, is that from here, from here to England? I guess it's a really dodgy line. Um, yes. Well, the internet's but carrying yeah, It was just basically hand, trying so. to mail that, the, the, yeah, I know. Well, basically, it was just trying to mix those elements together. And you only have like um, 16 pages of real estate. So it's trying to make it as fun as possible, introduce the character. And another thing, like one of the things, I don't know if it's spoilery, I don't know. One of the things I wanted to, to do was I wanted the comic to have its own identity because I feel like this is just like my own like quibble i know there's no i'm not judging any other writers or, any, or anybody else but when um i find a lot of diversity stuff it's a lot like i call it skin suit storytelling in a way like i'll i'd read like i'd it'd be like oh this is just a captain america story or this is like a um superman story but it's a uh, black superman which is okay but it doesn't there's there's nothing more than that Mm-hmm. And what I thought would be cool if like, I was like, what if, what if she worked for, cause I'm, I'm a big fan of eighties Excalibur and I was like, and it links to yeah. Britain. Like it's, it's one of the few um, British Marvel. Thi- sure. Yeah. Properties. 
And I was like, what if she works for the Weird Happenings organization? And I was a big fan of that. And so it could be like a monster of the week, um, like Buffy or Supernatural or something like that. And it will allow big crazy to give the comic um, a bit more of its own original flavor. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well I think you really, yeah, you really did that. And I was actually very impressed how cohesive and uh, complete the story felt in the 16 pages. First of all, I was very happy that you got that real estate in an anthology series. Normally, I think we're used to like four or five page stories, something like that. So that was really great to see. I kept expecting it to be like, she comes in and fights a dragon and two pages later it's done. But in a good way, it kept going and actually fleshed it out and fleshed out the <laughs> emotional arc and everything that's happening. So very happy to see that. Uh, and I hope we see more of this character as well. Definitely. Do you know if there's anything in the works as we head towards the Spider-Verse event? I'm not sure. I don't know what, what um, Dan is doing. It's going to be, but it's going to be epic. It's going to be epic. I don't even know if she's going to survive. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's all up. It's all it's all up in the air. Um, I hope I get to do more of her or any like big two stuff because like it was the big. I think the um, hidden thing about like what people don't really know about like big two comics is the deadline because I, I come from more well I started out in indie comics and then I'm doing stuff for 2000 AD but like the cool thing about like um big two comics is basically within the comics you know you, you can like write stories on your shares long and <laughs> you've got infinite amount of time to um tell a story you know whereas like big two comics is like um, game six energy yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got to like yeah, really yeah. um deliver in such a small you, you just yeah you just have to really deliver on that time and i with, with with you don't have time to overthink and which kind of forces you to rely more on like your storytelling instincts and by the end of it it's, i guess it's like improv by the end of it when you've had a really good show and you've you you look back on it and you're like, wow, this really tested me as a storyteller or as, or as a comedian. And I really came up with some surprising things that um, I didn't think I did at the beginning. So I definitely want to do more of that. Awesome. Well, I yeah. hope you get to because it was great. Me too. A Cheers, very man. cool story. Ramsey, thank you so much for jumping on. It was so good seeing you as yeah. always. And uh, excited for everybody else yeah. to get to read the story tomorrow. Oh, he's frozen again. I think we ended that at the right time. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks, Rosie. More comics to get on this show. <laughs> can hang out with you cool people. Yeah. Bye. All right. Have a good night. All right. There we go. Once again, the book is Edge of Spider-Verse number two. It's out from Marvel tomorrow. It's, I believe, the second story is by Ramsey featuring Spider-UK, and it's very, very fun. You should oh, absolutely yeah, check it out. For sure, no and question. we are going to move on to our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. <laughs> and for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question, ask a question over here on Crowncast or in the comments over on YouTube. And Pete, I talked about what I was drinking, which is the Mind Tie, as it was named. What nice are you drinking adjustment. tonight? Nice adjustment. <laughs> uh, I am still raiding my brother's uh, fridge. Um, nice. I'm starting to think now that maybe he didn't like these and that's why there's so many left, hmm. but, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, win one for me, a little vodka and soda uh, with a little lemon splash in there, all, all in the can. You know what I mean? A little fresh lemon? Uh, it's all in the can. You know what I mean? So you know it's fresh. <laughs> you know it's fresh. Absolutely. There's a little man that comes into the fridge every night and is like, squirt? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. Oh, good stuff. All right, we got a question here. This is from Stray Bullet. I had an insane conversation in a bar yesterday about carnage. In this conversation, this gentleman who seemed in no way disturbed at all about his love for carnage said, yeah, Woody Harrelson was good, but I think Crispin Glover would have been awesome as carnage. He probably wasn't wrong about this, but is there a casting you think should have happened but didn't? Hmm. Hmm. yeah i mean there's there's tons of different stuff uh i you know i understand what that person was maybe thinking is like oh woody harrelson's good but you know it'd be creepier the creepy thin man uh playing mm-hmm. this character so yeah you know um you know i i can understand somebody wanting to make a darker character darker so just to check you understand what the crazy man who was terrorizing our official cbc Cra- chef was going through uh, you know in quotes sorry and... that's reductive fucking insane guy <laughs> oh man uh i hope that guy comes and finds you one day um <laughs> probably later on today let's be honest uh let's hope so you know i'm sure new orleans new york city is a quick trip quick trip it's not that long of a plane flight. <laughs> and I'll be up for a while putting together these podcasts. So come on over, buddy. We're going to chat about your Christmas Glover casting. Sweet. What other casting, though, was not quite right that could have been better? I mean, where to start? You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. Uh, tons of different stuff. I mean, obviously... Hugh Jackman was an amazing, well-acted Wolverine, but if you want somebody with a little bit more height appropriate, you know, you could have had another aspect to the character that maybe wasn't there, you know. Hmm. Uh, like least... a Crispin Glover type or something like that. Well, I don't know how tall he is. Uh, but we got it with X-23, which was nice. So and Logan, I finally, after years and years, uh, finally got it. Uh, we got a comment here. Maybe Danny DeVito for Wolverine. Would that have worked nicely? He's the right height. I, I, he is shorter in stature, which is more correct. But, uh, you know, I don't know if uh, if Danny would have worked. You know what I mean? That would have been a lot of stunt double stuff, I would think. But you never know. I know I was razzing you about this earlier, but talking about Spider-Man, I, as much as I love the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, I don't think Toby McGuire is right for the role of Peter Parker necessarily. Like, Andrew Garfield, to me, is a perfect Peter Parker. He does a great job as Peter Parker. I don't think the movies are good at all. You're wrong, Pete. He's a really good Peter Parker. And I think Tom Holland does a really good Ultimate Spider-Man version both of them are probably better than Tobey Maguire, even though the movies are awesome. Particularly Spider-Man 3, my favorite one. Well, I mean, what was nice was the when all three of them were together in that last movie. That was very moving, very powerful, and was really a nice kind of moment for all the fans to kind of have them all there and uh, kind of playing off each other, you know. Yep. So, uh, with yeah, with the pointing. I know. I know you love the pointing. All right, we got a question here from Pablo D. Martinez. She-Hulk Pablo. is coming out Thursday. Watch it or binge the episodes when it's done. The eternal question with watching any weekly show. Well, you would Great say question. binge it. You would say wait for it all. And well, then we got. Binge it. So here, here's what I would say about it. You got nine weeks. 
right, mm-hmm. of the show, which is a lot. So that's a longer time than usual. You have to wait for a Marvel show, which is usually six episodes at this point. So if you want to wait that longer point when everybody's talking about it, that might be a little frustrating for you. The other thing that I'd say is it's very cameo and Easter egg heavy. So if you don't want to get spoiled on stuff, I think watch it week to week. That's probably the way to do it. Otherwise, you might find out something you don't want to do. But it's also a half-hour show, so if you feel like that's not enough for your viewing experience, if you need a chunkier viewing experience, then sure, wait a while and binge it. Either way. I just hated your tone that you went into with the cameo heavy and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, what's uh, what, what sucks about... I'm uh, literally saying that people are going to be tweeting about the cameos and the Easter egg. Oh, stuff, sure. So if you don't want it spoiled for you, watch it. I'm not yeah, sure. and I was saying I had a problem with the tone, not what you said and how you said it. Was um, it because I sounded like this, yeah, Pete? Yeah, you put a little extra douche on it, which I didn't appreciate. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, as far as... far Douche as, like, is my resting point, okay? Like, that's... I have the, resting douche voice. That's true. my doctor. I'm glad we're finally talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> been my problem earlier today. with you for years yeah. uh I'm yeah getting surgery I, later this week to deal with it what's what's nice about the patreon slack is that um you know if you don't read all of your tweets you know sometimes when you say something that's insane or absurd people will bring it up on the uh slack and then the rest of us can read it um so you know what was cool is i had a real moment after i read your stupid tweet where I was like, oh, my God, Zelvin's been wrong about so many things. Why am I listening to him about <laughs> his opinions so on TV This is so unrelated show? to what Pablo was asking. This is just uh, something, I don't think so. this is something you wanted to say no matter what. Here's the deal. I tweeted out my social media embargo review of She-Hulk. I did not like the first four episodes of it. In the Patreon Slack, I couched it in. I am in the minority. The majority of people who tweeted about it liked it. That's great. Pete took exception to that and is bringing that up on our comic book show, a completely inappropriate place to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But well, what's nice is I then had this nice uh, uh, a moment of like, oh my God, why am I listening to Zalvin? So I immediately turned on Paper Girls and I was like, oh man, fuck Zalvin. I'm going to check out this show. Yeah, how's Paper Girls, Pete? Was I, I assume- about that one? I was like, I liked the first episode. Really? Yeah, because I read That's the great. comics and I kind of knew what was oh, happening. Sure. So even though it was dark and you couldn't see shit, it's <laughs> running all over the place. And yeah, yeah. The effects look bad and it looks like people wandered off of a soundstage somewhere. They're not quite sure where they're going. Totally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My point. Yeah. I will say about Paper Girls, just while we're on this. Uh, rambly subject here mm-hmm. it does get incrementally better for the first episode which is like a bunch of uh, undirected nonsense very weird i'm very curious i know i i said this to you before the show even launched there is one teeny tiny little thing in paper girls that is going to take you from where you are now to like this is the best show i've ever seen i don't care about anything else this is great i love this and you're going to harp on this one thing and be like this is why it's the best show and it's going to be the same as when you're like, the American Gods is, sorry, American Gods is great because of the car. For example. Like that <laughs> being mean, the main character. Having a car long. as a character is genius. Mm. Genius. Absolutely. Should have leaned into it more. All right. We got a couple of other questions here. This one is from Kevin. What are some of your other favorite superheroes from countries beside the U.S.? Hmm, good question. 
<laughs> Who's the Israeli superhero? Sabra. They called her that. They named oh, her after the Chumas. Don't, that don't. That's no. That's true. Is it 100%. true? You sound like an asshole. I don't. Know. I know. I kind of hate it. Uh, Straight bullet says Elizabeth Braddock. Yeah, she's great. That's pretty good. Um, I really liked. What was the series? Oh, was it the Big Ten? Was that the Chinese super team that I think Grant Morrison co- created or co-created? That was really Grant good. Morrison did do Big Ten for sure. Yeah, so that I thought that was really interesting and cool when they were pushing that particularly heavily at the beginning. Kevin now adds some caveats of not saying Canada, the UK, or Japan. Okay, so we can't say Alpha Flight, which is one of my favorite teams of all time. Uh, I'll call it out anyway. I'll say every once in a while I go back and read the first 12 issues of John Byrne's run on Alpha Flight, which is so phenomenal. Like, and every time I forget it, and it's so good. It's so well-crafted. If you never read those first 12 issues, do, because it's insane how well they work as one. I think story. a little bit more to Kevin's point. Um, yeah, we should be doing more stuff outside of the U S because, uh, I feel like I should uh, broaden my horizons and, and try to uh, oh, we also uh, seek out country. More. So we can't call out Kondok and say that we really like Black Adam. Uh, what about Yara Flores? Isn't she from Brazil? The new Wonder Woman? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she's great. Love she that. is great. We've been loving that for sure. Mm-hmm. That's been really good. I'm sure I'll think of some other ones. Why don't we go to a question here on YouTube? This is, oh, uh, just a quick thing. James Emmett over here says Storm should have been played by Angela Bassett. Oh, that would have been amazing. Great call. But here's a question from Stanley. Are there any good creative projects available like TV or books that the CBC hosts have worked on? Wait, well, what was the question? Are there any good creative projects available like TV or books that the CBC hosts have worked on? I feel like, first of all, this is a cue up for Justin, who isn't here this week. 101 Places to Party Before You Die is running on True TV every yeah. Thursday night, I believe. At like it is Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, check that out. Super fun show. Hosted oh, my God. Every episode is just show. a banger. It's Yeah, it's a ton of fun. And it's also like... Uh, two guys running around the country having a blast and exploring and it's just a great way to be like oh if i ever go to that city i'm gonna check out that place for sure um yeah and pete you've worked on tv shows before oh yeah i've definitely worked on a bunch of tv shows i don't know if there's any thing you should go out and seek uh but uh yeah i mean justin's the same i mean he's done a, a ton of different stuff i mean he was worked on Jesus samaro uh yeah, he, yeah um and so. i mean just to plug if it's okay i co-created a show called better call saul that actually just ended last night and i'm really proud of what we did honestly you the did whole not. staff you all, did all the whole cast claim that. did an incredible job I mean, up to the viewers, I think how you felt about how we ended it. But, you know, when I was directing that last scene of the last episode, it was just we were all crying on set and just having how and kind of like laughing at the same time. Bob came over and gave me a hug. It was like, you did it, man. You really did it. Bob Odenkirk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Odie. Odie. Good old Odie. Uh, I mailed him to Abu Dhabi and then we kind of moved on from there. Well, uh... no, sorry. I kicked him off the table. I didn't mail him to Abu Dhabi. That would be durable. 
<laughs> oh my god. I don't want I don't want to lie about what happens in Garfield. Yeah, exactly. You don't want that Garfield hate. Yes. Uh and we got one last one here from <laughs> Pablo says, Alex lying on this podcast? Interesting. Wow. That's the meanest thing anybody's ever said to me. Uh, also from Pablo, I like trades that have behind-the-scenes material in them. Do you like that as well or not? Seems to tie into what our guest Matt Kent was saying a couple of weeks ago. Do you like that sort of material when you're reading a trade collection, like script pages and development art and other things like that? I do love development art. It's nice. I think it's cool to see where something maybe started as an idea and how it evolved. I think that's super awesome to kind of see the rough beginnings of a character. Um, especially because it's like, you get to see mistakes of like, Ooh, I'm glad they didn't go with that or whatever. It's fun to see like them try on different things to kind of see what works. Um, yeah. I, I've, I think that, you know, I'm sure there's a ton of writers out there who like to see scripts and like what they mm -hmm. look like and how how you kind of uh, uh, send something to an artist and what you have to put on the page so they can understand it. Well, I, I mean, not to interrupt your flow, Pete, but I will say I didn't really answer that question before. I did write a couple of comics back in the day. And when I was trying to figure out how to do that. I pulled out my trades and I looked at scripts from writers that I liked and tried to figure out, okay, how did they write that? How did they format that? What were they doing? So those were invaluable lessons there in the back of the book in terms of putting that stuff together. So I think they're really good resources and I think it doesn't hurt anything to throw them in there. If you want to look at them, great. If you don't want to look at them, that's also great. One of the things I particularly really like is I love seeing variant covers in the back. Like you've read three oh, or six yeah. issues of something and then they just print all the variant covers there. Always very fun. Yeah. I mean, so. in the Daredevil uh, that we'll probably be talking about tomorrow, you got to see every cover, mm -hmm. which was pretty neat. I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Are you okay? Michael Tillman says there's a book. One of the books that I wrote was called Detective Honey Bear, which is still available online. I think it's uh, was co-created with a guy named Josh Kenfield, and we did two issues and also an Instagram story for Halloween. Uh, and uh, it's about a adorable little bear that solves mysteries. So you can check that out. Or if you ever want a copy, if you can't find it, let me know, and I'm happy to send it to you for free with a couple Aww. of stickers and shirts and stuff. Nice. All right. I think that is it for your audience questions. So why don't we move on to trivia? And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Peter LePage. All right. Well, do we have a person? Or are we looking for a first-hand-up guy? What's We're looking for a first-hand-up guy here. Anybody right. who would like to participate in trivia, get a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Say, me, 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 or here, or hand-raised, either on Crowdcast or YouTube, and you will get... $25 for Midtown Absolutely. Comics online, Midtown which is, you know, because if you had 25 bucks, you would get some comics, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. And if we don't get for. a hand up guy, I've got a charity I can compete for. And That's also guy is in quotes. You know what I mean? Yes. No, could be obviously it, we, it could be anybody. Could we don't. Be them. Ooh, we got a hand up from Straight Bullet here. Probably Straight wants Bullets. to do another Punisher quiz. All right, here we go. <laughs> Punisher quiz is closed. Oh, wow. He already won it. He already won it. He already won it. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, he did. Absolutely. Straight bullies. Fred, how are you? I'm good. Thank Cheers you. to you. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm on to... You're done. Water. Okay. 
I've had like three today. Done drinking for the day. <laughs> I mean, at least for an hour. Gotta, Good for you. Good yourself, for you. man. I got to yeah. work tomorrow. Oh, man. Oh, oh shit. You're right. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Here we go, Straight Bullies. Uh, today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend, Gene LaBelle. R.I.P. to the godfather of grappling. All right. Please listen to what? all three <laughs> options before making What are you doing? Point. So many no, people died first, this week. Ed Hayes. Why is somebody example. more important? You know, there's a list you got to go through. You can't. You there know, is not. No, this is not. A, there is no list you need to go through. You made up a <laughs> no, list. Don't tell me. Don't tell me my business. All right. Please listen to all three options uh, before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. Who is celebrating Latin Heritage Month with variant covers starting on September 15th? Is it A, Marvel, B, IDW, or C, Rex Lynn? So it's either A, Marvel, or you could pick something else. It's A, Marvel. That's right. Sucking on that teat, baby. Let's go. Question number two. (laughs) What is Alex doing? What are you doing? What was I doing? I had a little bit more of this in Uh, my uh, Tumblr. Is fancy shaker? Oh yeah, look at that. Oh, nice dude. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Very top. This is great for our audio podcast. Yeah, go ahead. I can't. (laughs) All right, here we go. The nominees are out for the 2022 best comic. What comic isn't on the list? Is it A. Far Sector, B. Do a power bomb? Or C, Elizabeth Pena. So it's either A, Far Sector, because that should be on the list. It should be on the list. Or is it B, do a powerbomb, which also should be on the list. And Elizabeth Pena. So your question was, what's not on the list, right? Not on the list. Yeah, Elizabeth Pena. What's a comic? Okay, Elizabeth Pena is not a comic. Listen to the question, asshole. Come on. (laughs) Sorry, man. Stop just mixing your drink. That was totally clear. That's on me. Okay, great. My watch is telling me to stand up. Sorry, guys. Stand up. You were correct. A, R sector. Way to be on that one. Here we go. Last one. In November, what is the name of the new Avengers title? Is it A, Murder World, B, Fan World, or C, Roger Fan? So it's either A, Murder World, which sounds scary, but that's what uh, Avengers title is coming out in November, or it's B. I'll pick A. A is correct. $25 free dollars for wow. you, sir. Nice. Incredible. You have won. You are going to get a $25 gift card to Midtown. Wait, Comics hold on. Who, what, was the, uh, what was the charity you are going to give it to? Oh, the charity I was going to give to you, there's a friend of the show named Ivan Brandon who actually just had a massive heart attack and is hoping for help to support his hospital bills. So I was going to give it to the GoFundMe, but I guess we'll give you... uh, I'll just take some comments. (laughs) Give it to Brandon. Yes, we'll give it to Ivan Brandon. Thank you, Brett. Appreciate it. Always good seeing you. Have a good night. Bye, guys. Take care of yourself, man. All right, there we go. Now, as we all know, tomorrow wait, uh, is... Wait, Oh, oh, your secret quiz. Yes, what was right. it? Six Days, Seven Nights, I assume? No, or, no uh... it was the 1998 hit Rush Hour. You were correct, Kevin. Again. Amazing. As we all know, comics are cool. They're coming out all the time. Pete, what are you looking forward to? 
Well, as I uh, previously mentioned, Duo Powerbomb is oh, number yeah. three is out. Uh, also, Batman, One Bad Day, the Riddler number one was really bananas and uh, definitely worth checking out for sure. I'm always looking forward to an issue of the Silver Coin, the horror anthology that's only real connective fiber is artist Michael. Walsh, I couldn't. So that's fun. Uh, that issue that would no that was that one <laughs> all right we'll far. talk about it we'll talk about it on the stack we'll get there uh and also shirtless bear fighter 2 number one yeah back from image comics very fun to see that title back so i'm excited to check that out all of those titles are going to be in our stack podcast which debuts wednesday the at beige. 9 a.m beer wednesday 9 a.m in both the stack feed and the comic book club feed and folks that is it for this week's shoe. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Russell Nolte. Check out Ichabod Jones' Monster Hunter now on Kickstarter. Also, Ram Z. Check out Edge of Spider-Verse number two from Marvel Comics in shops tomorrow. Next week on the show, Julian We also, we also want to thank uh, Kevin. We want to thank Michael Tillman. We want to thank Stray Foley from Pablo Martinez and Nat Thompson. Oh, that's nice. You probably forgot somebody from our comment section over there, and now their yeah. feelings are hurt. But go ahead, Pete. Next week on the show, Julian Hanshaw is going to be here to talk about Top Shelf's free pass. A couple of other things to plug. Lock and Key Unlocked, our Lock and Key podcast almost done. Recapping season three. Yes, and we got a shout out from Jackson Robert Scott, who plays Bodie on Instagram, which is very nice to see. Bodie, what's up? Very heartwarming. Also, Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast is going to kick off She-Hulk starting this week. Shouldn't be contentious at all. Oh my God, I would never... Yell and fight with you about Chihol. The Doom Room, our Doom Patrol podcast every Thursday morning. Check that out in its own feed. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all the shows we do. Subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Thanks, everybody. Take care of yourself out there.